Okay, what's going on, guys? Welcome to a brand new episode of Benajized. Ross, the ethical final is tomorrow. Wembley! Wembley! Yes, uh, Wembley will be either resounding in red or blue. It is Arsenal versus Chelsea. It is the Gooners taking on the Lions, the Blue Lions. Is that what they're, they're called? Chelsky. It's Chelsky. Uh, the the <laughs> rapid Russians. Um, look, not the final we predicted to have. No. Uh, we, in fairness, we did sort of say the United-Chelsea game was going to be a toss-up. You, you were definitely saying Chelsea were looking very dangerous. I think everyone wrote off Arsenal. Yeah. Um, and to their dismay, or to everyone else's dismay, Arsenal got the job done against City, something they haven't got done for a very, very long time. And fair play to them for doing it as well. Yeah, so obviously on today's show, we're going to be discussing tomorrow's FA Cup final, because uh, I know you know it aren't in it, but uh, I'm still buzzing to watch it. Uh, we're also going to be going over the energised team of the season, pl- uh, player of the season, manager of the season, signing of the season, and lastly, flop of the season. So uh, if you are new to the show, make sure to like, make sure to subscribe, and hit the bell to never miss an energised show. So Ross, tomorrow, Saturday, half five, Arsenal take on Chelsea. What are you expecting from this? Well, first of all, whoever I say is going to win, you should back the other team because that seems, <laughs> the way it's, it seems to be the way it's going at the moment. Very and energized, man. That's very We have two very inexperienced managers competing for their first ever trophy as a manager. You have Mikel Arteta for Arsenal and Frank Lampard for Chelsea. Two midfield maestros, two uh, you know, masters of their own craft. It's going to be very, very interesting. Arsenal, um, their frailty seems to be a lot at the back these days. Uh, I don't even know who their best centre-half partnership is. Uh, I must say, Martinez in goals, ever since he's come in, has been absolutely phenomenal. Kieran Tierney looks very good there um, for them as well. So, like, they're sort of staples at the back that Arsenal must have in. Chelsea are also quite frail at the back at times. I mean, Zuma and Rudiger, I don't know if that partnership has been solidified yet. Alonso's not the best. Uh, Kep has the, has the worst save percentage in Premier League history and he looks like he's been dropped for Willy Cabero and their main man at the back is Aspilicueta I think he's like they're a rock you can know you're getting a decent performance out of them all the time yeah. Barry tell us about the midfield and the attackers on either side uh, you start off with Arsenal first of all start off with Arsenal as well um, I don't really know what to say about Arsenal midfield as well the way the Boyless. Bit- <laughs> yeah, yeah. The way they're chopping and changing a lot—that's something that Arteta is definitely going to have to look into. Uh, I would have thought Guendouzi was one of their best midfielders, and, and he's after falling out of favour ever since that incident in Brighton. But um, obviously, Mikel Arteta was a centre mid when he was playing, so I'm sure he'll know one or two players to pick up in the summer. So, like, winning this game is extremely important because if they've no European football, the likelihood of them getting top top players. Drops a lot, but uh, who would you pick, Barry? If you were if you were Mikel Arteta for your midfield three, for the, for the final, yeah, I put Torreira in centre defensive midfielder. I think Xhaka has slightly improved. So I, I think, think he's he, up his game the last four or five games. Uh, yeah, I'm not. Why do you think he has done that? Maybe because they've taken the captaincy off him and that, maybe that was too much pressure on his shoulders and he didn't have to worry about being the captain anymore and he can just concentrate on playing his game. Yeah, but also no fans there as well to be like, get out of our club. Yeah, true. Uh, yeah, that, you know, that, that takes a lot of pressure off certain players. And who's the third bit of failure then? 
I would have liked Gunduzi in there. And um, for me personally, I'd go for Sabayas. Uh, I think he's actually a bit of creativity to him. Um, now he's been lost in a few games and like never seen it all. But the last few games that Arsenal have, you know, got the got the win over Liverpool and Man City, he's been quite crucial to them. Yeah, and then like they're coming up against a Chelsea team who's probably mm. the best in midfield. They're, that's mm. where I think they are the, the strongest. Obviously, Kante will be missing. He has been back training, but he won't. I doubt he'd be fully fit to play. Uh, Kovacic has actually been good this season. I, I've mm. never, I was never a big fan of him, but uh, he is improving. And then um, I think Billy Gilmore is out as well. But like since he got those massive rave reviews, he hasn't really like done no. gone again. You know, he's a bit light as well. I think. Yeah, maybe he, sideways. Maybe he could do it alone. Move. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think it's probably going to be either Barkley or Loftus-Cheek and then Mason Mount as a definite starter. Yeah. Before we get to the attack cross, I was thinking about this before we recorded the show. Who has actually had a better season as a manager between Chelsea and Arsenal? Now, put it this way. If Arsenal then win the FA Cup, does that mean Arteta's had a better season than Lampard? No, I would back Lampard just based on the fact that Chelsea couldn't sign anyone, so he could not do it by anyone. He lost Hazard, who's the Chelsea talisman, and yeah. by far and large, maybe the best player they've ever had at the club. Definitely, uh, there's an argument for it. It's probably uh, Lampard or, or Hazard. Talent-wise, um, talent, talent definitely. Yeah, and then on, on top of that, you know, I mean, he brought through the youth. He brought Mason Mount back with uh, from Derby with him. Uh, he gave Billy Gilmore a run in the team. Trusted Tammy Abraham up front. Like, they're all things that no Chelsea manager has ever done. Yeah, They've these, all got them out, sent out the young fellows, and brought in the names. Yeah, but he, he still had all them players at his disposal, whereas Arteta is after going into a squad that was in absolute disarray, and he's kept the, the likes of Ozil out of the team as well. So he's, yeah, done, the, he's actually, Arteta's actually done more with a lot less talented squad than Lampard has done. You could you could easily argue that as well, but I just think not being able to get the centre halves in any sort of uh, unity whatsoever. I mean, like David Luiz is what World Cup winner, Champions League winner, Premier League winner. Uh, I think Socrates, Europa League winner. As well. Yeah, Europa League winner. Socrates is like he played for Borussia Dortmund. Like Kalasnach is an absolute warrior. I mean, and then Rob, like Rob Holden and Chambers are both young fellas as well. Uh, you know, what I mean, like looking to make a stamp and. You know, there's five centre-half there. Uh, oh, I'm Mustafi World Cup winner as well. And you can't find any two of them that will fit whatsoever. Uh, and I think at times, there's definitely been team selections where, like, you look at Arsenal team selection going, that's a bit bizarre. That makes sense. In fairness, we're not there in the change room. We don't know what goes on behind the scenes. We don't know what sort of issues he's had with players before. But, yeah, he's definitely had a lot less to work with. But... Arsenal were nearly going to finish in 10th until they won the last game of the season and they finished in 8th. And, like, that's still their worst points tally and their worst finish in Premier League history. So do you think, even if Arteta wins the FA Cup, he'll have had a worse season than Lampard? I think if he wins the FA Cup, I'd almost call it level. Because at the end of the day, Chelsea next season will be playing Champions League and Arsenal will be playing Europa League. That's another thing before we get into the attackers, Ross. If Arsenal lose, they will, be, they will have no European football next year. Now, some Arsenal fans will be like, oh, that's grand. We'll then focus solely on the Premier League. But uh, 
they miss out on massive amounts of revenue and also players want to really the players that want to challenge themselves will want to play in some mm. sort of European competition and then if also I'm, Aubameyang I don't think Aubameyang is going to be happy to, to go a year without European football as well especially at the age he's at as well yeah. um, I don't think he will be either but uh, one thing I will say is Arteta will almost be under more pressure next season if they don't have uh, Europa League football to finish in the top four because they have no excuse not to finish in the top four then you're not playing European football. And then he will be expected to make a very strong League Cup and FA Cup run. Yeah. So, As opposed to if the Europa League is almost like, oh, well, you know, we had all those games on Thursdays. It took it out, it took it out of us. Yeah, well, Aubameyang is back scoring goals. Like, Saka has absolutely signed a new contract. He's now number seven. Lacazette like, yeah. scored a few goals. Yeah. There, there, he, there is something happening with that front three. Mm-hmm. And then if you look over at uh, Chelsea's, the way like Pulisic, Pulisic has been, is probably Chelsea's most influential player right now. Uh, yeah. Drew is back amongst the goals. Who, who do you expect will fire more on tomorrow? To be honest, I actually expect Chelsea to get the one up on this one. Um, obviously, they know David Luiz and he's probably going to start. They'll know where his weaknesses are. On top of that, uh, Giroud's been at Arsenal so like he knows those defenders as well uh, I can definitely see Giroud scoring a goal Pulisic looks like a little genie he's almost like Eden Hazard reincarnated and then I don't know if Willian's going to play the final or not but like Willian is such a good player and as a free agent I think a lot of the Premier League teams should be clamouring to try and get his signature yeah and then Pedro's leaving as well yeah. so it is, it's going to be a last game for a few players for Chelsea but um, Ross, let's call it now. Who is winning the FA Cup final tomorrow, and what score will it be? I think it's going to be two one to Chelsea. I actually think it's going to be two one to Arsenal. I know, I know they lost before in Baku, and we both actually backed Arsenal to win in mm. the Europa League final last year. But I think it's just there's so much riding on Arsenal to play in the European competition next year, and these players will definitely want to be in it. Mm. Whereas I think Chelsea are still going to be overlooking can they progress to the next round mm. in the Champions League. So I actually think Arsenal are going to do it. Well, there you go. At least one of us will be right. <laughs> <laughs> it, it can't be a draw. It's not, it's not a, the Lions tour. But uh, let us know in the comments who you think will win. Is it going to be Arsenal or is it going to be Chelsea? Because uh, we're both going 2-1, but you're going Chelsea, I'm going Arsenal. All right, Ross. Team of the season. The Premier League is finally over. We didn't put out a show on Monday, but tonight, today, team of the season, who would you start and go? I would start Nick Pope for Burnley. Uh, I think he got 13 clean sheets. He's a big man in goal. And if you look at Burnley, I think they finished 9th or 10th. You know, to be up there for most clean sheets at a team like Burnley, I think is extremely impressive. I would have thought Allison would be a great show. I actually thought Allison as well, but when I looked at the stats on Allison, David De Gea actually had a better save percentage this season than Allison has. Um, look, he's he's a great goalkeeper, can't deny it. But yeah, I have to also admit he's had a hell of a lot less to do. Yeah, he definitely has uh, has had less to do. But like, say if you were starting your career mode in FIFA or mm. football manager, who would you sign, Pope or Allison? Oh no, I definitely sign Allison. I'm not saying Pope is a better goalkeeper, but I'm saying. Pope had a better season. All right. And then um, 
we'll go. Are we going to go four four three? Oh, yeah, I think three. so. Sorry, four three four three three. Okay, so right back, Ross. Who are you going for? There can only be one. Uh, this season it was Trent Alexander Arnold's season. Yeah. I think he racked up thirteen assists. Like adding that um, trick of the free kicks to his uh, Arsenal has been absolutely insane. He's probably the best right back in the world. And if you were put it this way, to say what you just said there, if you were like starting a brand new franchise. NFL draft, so Trent Alexander-Arnold will be one of the top five picks in the world for yeah. age and ta- talent. First of all, he's 21. He's won the league. He's won the Champions League. Those like world club championship trophies, I don't really, I don't really like count them. No one cares about them, really. Yeah, you know what I mean? You, don't, you only care when you win it, but like, it's not the best teams in the world playing. Like. Yeah, it's... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, put it this way, he's been to a Champions League final. He's, then the, the next year, he's won the Champions League. He's, he's won the league 21 he can score goals he can cross the ball like, so it reminded me of Dave Beckham for one of the most recent goals that he set up for Firmino how much is he worth Ross and how good do you think he's going to be you know what he's probably worth in around 150 million because if, if you think about a right back that you're going to have for the next 10 years you know what I mean someone of his calibre you're almost paying 15 million a year for him for the next 10 years and he probably is worth 150 million the only thing is it's going to be very hard to pry him from Liverpool's grasp as he is from Liverpool yeah I can't see him leaving uh, so we can both agree on that I think uh, honourable mention for Wan-Bissaka but um, Trent Alexander-Arnold he started the season well ended the season well whereas um, Aaron Wan-Bissaka faded off but England have two very good right backs there as well so like, it's going to be a bright future right back oh uh, absolutely Right, so we're going to the centre-back positions, Ross. Uh, well, I think one name that's definitely easy to put on the team sheet is Virgil van Dijk, I think. He was an absolute monster this year. You could easily argue that he should have been, what, player of the season? Yeah. Um, he's an absolute Goliath defender at Liverpool. Uh, he'd be my first choice. Um, my second choice would actually be Soyuncu for Leicester City. Um, he was missing their last five or six games or three or four games. He got sent off and he's probably due to him missing those games. Leicester aren't playing Champions League football next season. He was very, very good all season. Very aggressive in the tackle. Excellent in the air. And he even bagged one or two goals himself. Is there anyone what else? are you, Basmo? Your like, centre-halves? Van Dijk. Oh, he's just so good. Um, have you noticed as time's gone on, players, people that are younger obviously play FIFA and, or Pro Evolution and they always want to score goals and do the fancy tricks so therefore people when they're when they're kids they're like I want to play up front yeah. so like, it seems like the craft of centre defence being a centre back it's, it's it's becoming less and less but uh, Virgil van Dijk is definitely I think he's the best centre back in the world like I know Sergio Ramos will be up there as well but he's a, he's a bit older and it wouldn't be worth as much as Virgil van Dijk. I think van Dijk has been, I think he's been Liverpool's best player this year. I'd argue Mane as well, but van Dijk is just a, an absolute Rolls Royce centre back. But uh, Soyuncu, that's a that's not a bad shout. Is there anyone else that you thought might be up there challenging? People, Man United uh, fans might say Harry Maguire. You know what, Manchester United, as much as people like to criticise their defence, actually had the most clean sheets in all competitions across five uh, top leagues. I thought, you know, 
he's had a good season, but he's also been very key in some mistakes for Manchester United that I almost think like takes him out of the team. Uh, other people who had great seasons, uh, both Burnley centre halves, uh, Tarkovsky and Ben Mee. People are going to think I'm Burnley fan after this video. <laughs> uh, John Egan for Sheffield United had a brilliant season. I think he has a shout, uh, a push there. And then Lewis Dunk at Brighton, I thought was very good. And maybe even Connor Cody at Wolves. Yeah. Uh, one person who you could also put in there if they actually did get the full season was America Laporte. Uh, once he, he went missing for City, City's title chances went missing too. I think I agree with you with uh, the Virgil van Dijk and Sionchu partnership then. Sionchu yeah. is almost like, I think you said on the last show, Leicester is village. Yeah. Right. Uh, Ross, we got a left back. Obviously, Stevens was in with a shout. And then mm. how could you not mention uh, Andy Robertson? For me, it's Andy Robertson all day long. He is the left back version of Trent Alexander-Arnold. Uh, the amount of assists he provides from left back. And it's not all about assists, obviously. Uh, playing left back after the fans, but I I think he's a shoe in there. Um, I re I really, really do think so. Uh, honorable mentions, of course, and Stevens, probably Ben Chilwell, and um, maybe even Lucas Digne as well from Everton. What about um? I know he only played half a season. What about what about Ashley Young before he left to go to Milan? If you included his Milan stats in there, you might have a chance. He's done very well over there. <laughs> do you know Liverpool, Liverpool, the way they play is so brilliant. The way they have the midfielders to get the ball as quick as they can mm. to the forwards. But if that attacking six isn't working, they, they can always fall back on their fullbacks to cross the ball in and be extra outlets, which no other team in the league are able to do. But it, it works especially well because they have a natural right footer, a right back, and a natural left footer, a left back. And when you can, when you can open up the play that much, no team is going to be able to stop that. Yeah, no, I agree with you. It's a Absolutely frightening how good that Liverpool system that Klopp has embedded is. Yeah, so they're, they're dangerous all over. Yeah, so also, it just just saying on the centre half spasm, I want to say Joe Gomez is actually excellent for Liverpool this year, but because he plays beside Van Dijk, probably gets no plaudits. Yeah, true. So, so far we have Pope and Goal, right back Trent, Alexander Arnold, uh, centre backs Virgil Van Dijk and Soyonchu, and left back Robertson. Uh, right, Ross, we're going to go for the three men in, in midfield. Um, I think I'm going to kick it off with Kevin De Bruyne, who I believe should have been the sports writer player of the year. But um, I yeah. hope you didn't get the vote. <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. Uh, I think it was, what, 10 or 11 goals and 20 assists this season. Only Kevin De Bruyne and Thierry Henry have got over 20 Premier League assists in one campaign. That's the entire club. No more, no less. Uh, he'd be my first name on the team sheet this season. He... But- I've done some impressive things this year for Man City. Uh, Russ, if an alien came down and he was like, "What's the story, Bino?" And you'd be, "Who's the best? Who's the best centre mid in the Premier League?" And you said Kevin De Bruyne, and then he said, "Who's that?" And it's like, "Well, why is that? How could you describe Kevin De Bruyne to someone that doesn't know anything about football?" Oh, I would say his vision, his passing ability, his eye for goal. Uh, his selflessness as well. They're all his like, key attributes that I think make him one of the best uh, midfielders in the world, to be honest. And also, he's come back from that injury. He was sort of slightly injury-prone last year, and he, that doesn't seem to be affecting him this year. Uh, Johnny Giles and Eamon Dunphy don't actually believe he's actually as good as he's hyped up to be, but uh, 
on this one, I can't, I, like, I can't agree with the two lads there. Uh, so, Ross, we have two more positions. I, I think there has to be a shout for Jordan, Jordan Henderson. Yeah, Jordan Henderson's had an absolutely brilliant season. He's had the best season he's ever had in a Liverpool shirt. And in terms of football ability, you wouldn't overly pick Jordan Henderson in your team. You wouldn't be like... Yeah, the money isn't about Jordan Henderson. But his communication skills... Yeah, so what is it about Jordan Henderson? Sorry about that. Jordan Henderson, I think it's the communication skills that really set him apart from everyone. He is constantly talking on the pitch. He is constantly at... Keita, Fabino, Milner, Ox, whoever's there alongside him. I and mean, he defines a leader these days. I mean, you see him off the pitch, on the pitch. He really, really does it all. And I think that's what's really set him apart this year from other players and other captains. That's actually very true. Um, what other captains do you see around the Premier League that, are, that you think are in that, if the correct word is, echelon of uh, what a captain really is? Or embodies. Yeah, for it. To be honest, I actually don't see any other captain in there, but especially from the top six. Um, if you take like Maguire, doesn't really cut it for me. Um, you take Aubameyang, like he's almost just because he's their best player. There you go, you're a captain. Um, who's the Man City captain at the moment? Is it David Silva? But he's gone now, so like that's not really relevant anymore. Uh, yeah. And then. What Chelsea? I don't even know who the Chelsea captain is. Aspilicueta. I don't really see him with that level of communication on the pitch. Like he's probably just almost the longest servant there. So, in terms of that level of leadership, that level of dedication, and he he seems like one of those people who just has a very high level of attention to detail. It's almost like a nicer version of Roy Keane, you might even say. Yeah, he's almost just. Realise that he's not amazing at anything, mm. but his teamwork and effort is yeah. something that he can dedicate himself to and become better and better. And his long, long balls are pretty good as well. And he's all like knowing the three lads in front of him and that he can just like ping the ball to them, like knowing what's around him is one of his key assets. And he's also chipped in uh, on the goal from once or twice this year, which is not what he's renowned for at all. I think he scored five goals this year, which is probably like an all time high for him. Yeah, and you know what, it's crazy. Like when he was younger, people were like, "Oh, they should get rid of him, this, that, and the other." And mm. then seeing how he stuck around and what's happened to him, like fair play to him, you know that. Um, right. So we have Kevin De Bruyne, Jordan Henderson, and who was the third centre mid? You're going to add to that. To me, uh, I picked Bruno Fernandez for Manchester United. Uh, he came in, took Manchester United from a mid-table side to finishing third in the Premier League. Um, after the restart of the Premier League, and since he's come in there, I think. I think there's been like 10 or 11 games since Bruno Fernandes arrived and he's been man the match probably in six or seven of them. I don't think I've ever seen uh, one person ever come into a club and turn a club on its head the way he's done it. He's very much so turned them around and the amount of goals and assists he's gotten at Manchester United. I know people like to joke and say how many of them were penalties. It doesn't matter. He put the ball in the back of the net and he set up a lot of goals. He's been the main man at Old Trafford ever since he's arrived and he's be the third midfielder I'd have in my team this season. Do you think he should become the new Man United captain? I think is that there's too much a, pressure? Is that too much uh, pressure? I think there's a definite opportunity for that. I think the way he like bigs up the players and the way he sort of, you know, almost pushes people to spur on on the team, I think that's a definite possibility. But 
for whatever reason, I just don't see them taking it off, Harry Maguire. Yeah, either do I. Is there anyone else we can mention now? Because uh, the Bruno, I know he only played half season, but because the year was sort of the Premier League season was probably was dragged out longer. He mm. was technically technically there longer than half the season, and uh, I like I'd have to go for Bruno as well. So like Kevin De Bruyne, Jordan Henderson, Bruno Fernandez. But is there anyone else that was sort of pushing in there that that rings a bell? Yeah, I think Jack Grealish obviously had an incredible season from uh, Aston Villa, and like he definitely dragged them out of the relegation zone. Uh, next to single-handedly, he put in some incredible performance for them there. Uh, Indeedy at Leicester yeah. is like incredible. At, like in terms of defensive midfielders in the Premier League, he'd probably be up there to be the best in in the entire league. His yeah. ability to read the game, his interceptions, and like that blanket in front of the front four of your defence is next to none, I think, in the Premier League. So I'd probably say uh, those two would stand out to me. And then I also thought Fabinho was very good for Liverpool this year. I think he adds like an era of uh, calmness to the Liverpool team when he's there. Yeah, I'll go with them as well then. So we have Kevin De Bruyne, Jordan Henderson and Bruno Fernandes in the three-man midfield. That's that's a pretty good one if you're asking me. A lot of creativity there. But then we go for the front three, Ross. Who do you want to start yes. with? So front three, um, for me, I would probably go Salah on the right. I would have Jamie Vardy in the middle. And I'd pick Aubameyang on the left. They'd be my front three. Um, obviously, Mo Salah, absolutely incredible for Liverpool again this year. Um, scored some very vital goals. Um, Jamie Vardy, top goal scorer in the league. I think that almost picks itself as your striker. And then I sort of went for Aubameyang. Um, you could easily put Mane in there. Uh, if you wanted to put Mane in there, Baz, I'd be happy enough to put him. But in terms of carrying the side, I feel like Aubameyang has carried Arsenal. Um, Mane is, was obviously probably scored more crucial goals than anyone this season for the Liverpool win the league. But there you have it. There's my, my front three. Joe, you know I'll, I'll agree with you, but I'd actually put Mane in ahead of Salah and put him on the right. Well, there, there you have it. Then, I'll, yeah, I'll, like Vardy's, yeah, and like Vardy, Vardy's top goal scorer, so you can't really argue that. And uh, Aubameyang setting new records as well this season. Mm. So, he was the fastest Arsenal player ever to 50 goals, which is pretty impressive considering yeah. he had the likes of Henri and Ian Wright. Yeah, I know, isn't it? Yeah. And, and you wouldn't even say Aubameyang's playing... You'd see him more of as a centre-forward, but he's playing out on the left. Yeah. But, uh, Ross, who would you go for your player of the season? My player of the season um, is the main man, the man in centre midfield for our team, Kevin De Bruyne. Uh, I thought he was absolutely sensational again this year. He was probably let down by some of his uh, teammates. Again, there was like injury issues to Sergio Aguero. And then uh, Pep Guardiola not uh, getting the new centre-half partner in for America the Fourth was their detriment this year I'll actually go play of the season Virgil van Dijk I think he was better last season but he was still still absolutely brilliant this year uh, manager of the season Ross for me I am going to give manager of the year to Chris Wilder Sheffield United manager uh, I went back and watched our prediction for the start of the season and I predicted Sheffield United would finish last in the Premier League and they went out and they finished, I think, was it ninth in the end? Yeah. Um, great year for them. He took 
a championship squad and even the players you saw in like McBurney or you know what everyone deemed to be championship players and he turned them into Europa League contenders he pushed the likes of Wolves Manchester United Chelsea right to the brink and Leicester and you know what I mean I don't think any other manager would get that much out of the players that he did yeah I think Covid definitely didn't help them when things came back I think like where they play is it Bramall Lane yeah I think that that like embodied the 12th man uh, I'm just going to have to go for Jurgen Klopp this season just because he got Liverpool to win the league <laughs> like I mean yeah. you know what I mean but uh, we'll then go into signing of the season Ross it's an interesting so, signing of the season now as a Manchester United fan the obvious choice is to pick Bruno Fernandes but that's not who I'm going to pick for me the signing of the season this year was Danny Ings for Southampton and I'll tell you why it's Danny Ings for Southampton. Without his 20-odd goals that he scored for Southampton, Southampton would have definitely been relegated. There's no way they would have stayed up without Danny Ings up front. Shane Long didn't score enough goals. Shay Adams didn't score enough goals. Danny Ings single-handedly kept Southampton in the Premier League this year. And he is my sign of the season. And I'm ne- I've never been happier for someone for a career comeback either. Yeah, man. That's it's. It's actually great to see that um, someone who, I think he had two massive injuries for Liverpool mm-hmm. and then uh, came back. And Do you think Southampton will be able to keep him this season now? It's going to be a very interesting one. You know what I mean? Um, I'm sure there will be teams sniffing around for him, but who's he going to go to? You know, Chelsea now have Werner. I don't think he'll go to Man United. Uh, Liverpool would probably love to have him back as a backup, but I don't think he'll go there as a backup. And then... Um, well, Spurs have Harry Kane, and he's not going to want to sit back up to there. You know, I always said he'd be the perfect replacement, maybe for Jamie Vardy, but Jamie Vardy probably not going anywhere just yet either. So he might be sort of waiting around in no man's land, and I don't think City are going to go for him. So he might, you know, stick around Southampton, which is great for them. Maybe, maybe being English is is to his detriment as well because mm. it hypes up the price. But uh, speaking of being English. He could have been with a shout to go to the Euros. Yeah. Well, he still could be for the 2021 side. Was there any other signings that you thought were good this year, Basmo? Well, the one Bruno Fernandes stood out mm. like a sore thumb, just watching United before and after. Mm. Um, like two different teams. Yeah. Uh, also, I think Christian Pulisic, uh, like his move came official to Chelsea this year. Absolutely brilliant. And then Sam Maximan for Newcastle was actually very good for them. Those are my honourable mentions. Yeah, yeah. I think Bruno Fernandes just gets it for me. But uh, Ross, flop of the season. Flop of the season is a forty million pound transfer to Geordie Shore, Newcastle. It's Joe Lington. What do you mean, man? Flop of the season. Most famous man in Newcastle, bar Gaz and Gaza. Yeah. <laughs> no, uh, paying forty million pounds for someone who. I actually don't know what his goal score record is, but I know for a fact he scored less than five goals. Uh, is definitely my absolute flop of the season. Uh, I also want to say one person who I would pick as a flop of the season as a contender is actually Pep Guardiola. Uh, I think he did terrible in the league this year. Man City lost nine games. They saw Vincent Kompany walk out the door and they didn't get any replace for him. Pep Guardiola just seems to be a man that you're not allowed to criticise whatsoever, though. Although he was getting a bit of criticism... Pre-COVID, mm. but well, there you have it. Like I mean, it's he only gets a little bit. 
You know what I mean? He, I, don't think, I don't think it sells newspapers. Yeah, I don't think it does. But I think 18 points off Man City, or 18 points Man City were behind Liverpool. Pep Guardiola has a few questions he needs to answer. Yeah, I'm going to have to go for flop as being Pepe, just for how much money he was. I know, obviously, it's his first season, so we'll see what happens. But I just remember when he signed, all the, like, the Gunners were like, like pointing, like slagging everyone. That's like, yes, we got him, you. And uh, he hasn't really done anything, to be honest. That's absolutely fair enough. Uh, you know what we'll do? I think we'll we take our, uh, our predictions for a manager of the year and all that, and we do a few polls on the gram. Yeah, that's not a bad show. Yeah. Um, I think that sort of wraps it up, doesn't it? That, I think, that, Ross, that, I'm pretty sure that does wrap things up. Uh, obviously, playoff, championship playoff final is going to be Fulham versus Brentford. That's going to be on the fourth, if mm. I'm not mistaken. One last question for you, Basmo. On the, on the thumbnail now, right? Yeah. Who do you think win in a two-on-two match? DT and Aubameyang or Lampard and Abramovich? DT and Aubameyang. Oh, I go for uh, Abramovich and Lampard. I think those Russian snipers standing on the ground shooting the knees off people. <laughs> uh, I'd go Abamyang and DT because like Abamyang is still actually playing. Like, and I don't know, I don't know where they're gonna have the game because is Abramovich still barred from uh, going to England? Uh, I, I don't know if that's overdone, but yeah, to be honest, I, I don't say uh, too up to date on the Russian politics. You know, <laughs> <laughs> too up to date, but. Uh, Ross, we will be back again next week because the Champions League and Europa League return. Mm. Europa League is back next Wednesday and the Champions League is back on the Friday. So uh, the countdown's on. The countdown is on. Yeah. So guys, make sure to like, share, subscribe and as always, stay energised. Stay energised, guys.